Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I saw a father saying goodbye to his child with a profound disability yesterday. It really is harrowing. It's so important that people who have a large following are aware of the impacts they can have in the messaging that they put out. The lack of communication to their customers, it's terrible, you know, and I'm embarrassed by it. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Well, good morning to you. Yesterday, um... The subject came up of the cherry trees in Ballyfehan that are going to fall victim to bus connects. Those beautiful, beautiful cherry trees are going to be cut down, as Aideen told me. There's been so much disruption, all for the sake of two kilometres of bus and cycling. There's over 200 parking spaces being taken. And the trees, there's over 70 cherry blossom trees. They're kind of... No, 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 Aideen, they're not. They're not going after the cherry blossoms. Oh, they are. John Spillane's Well Done Everyone Cherry Trees are for the chop. Absolutely, for the chop. We'll get the reaction of the legend himself to that later this morning. And play the song. Remember the song? It's been redone like you've never heard it before. It's a thing of sweetness and beauty. That's to come... Much more besides. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96. The number of the text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Don't know if you saw primetime last night, but if you have any interest in codeine, and if you know anybody who has been addicted or become addicted to codeine, it was a, a frightening watch, actually. Two families particularly affected. One woman who's lost her sister and the other a person who is still a coding addict currently in recovery but has been to the mills and back to try to get off the thing all of which started by buying a simple codeine product like Nurofen Plus or Salpidine or some one of those over the counter and RT's primetime team did a bit of research they sent a reporter to 18 different pharmacies using a little hidden camera and they asked the same question 
ask for a Nurofen Plus in each of the 18 pharmacies. Now, if you know if you're ever trying to buy this stuff, as I've been saying for years, it's in the naughty press. And, and you need to be able to answer a few questions before they'll sell it to you. And there were a strict set of guidelines laid down for this. Primetime found that in 18 pharmacies, not one of them fulfilled all of the guidelines before selling the Nurofen Plus to the researcher. Uh, six pharmacies in three counties, including one test where she went to the same pharmacy twice in the space of a couple of hours. A good piece of research. Look, cards on the table. I've taken products containing codeine myself over the years for my back when it's very troublesome, but only for a little while, only for a couple of days till I can get to see my chiropractor or something like that. So I, I don't say I have skin in the game, but I've taken these things. We then got an email in the wake of the uh, primetime program, which uh, I want to read to you. I saw primetime last night, BJ, about codeine addiction. Here's my story. I first started taking Salpadine eight years ago for back pain. A girl told me they were good for it, and I felt good after taking them. I got a little buzz, and I liked that feeling. Took them again a few days later, got the same little buzz. Then before I knew it, I was taking some every day, and I was soon buying boxes of them from every chemist I could find. I used to travel a lot around Ireland, so the first thing I'd do, turning up anywhere, was see how many chemists were there. I could stock up. I'd even get high knowing I'd have loads of tablets coming home. I was totally hooked. Couldn't function without taking two every morning. Then found out about Solpedal online. 180 euro for 200 of them. They were coming from Romania, delivered to my front door. God only knows what I was taking. I took two every morning, and then I topped up all day. In the end, I was probably overdosing every day, but my body had built up a tolerance. If I was running low, I'd go into a panic or I'd take to the bed because I simply couldn't function. Withdrawal was horrible. Headaches, gastro pain, shaking. It was easier in the end just keep taking them. I was literally stoned out of my head every day, PJ. I thought it was invisible. I looked so unwell. My body was bloated. I never took a strong drug like cocaine or ecstasy or hash. They just weren't around in my day. But they say codeine is the hardest drug to get off. And I found that out when I had to do it. Some people think codeine is nothing. But once you start, it's really hard to stop. I was gone too weak and gone too far. I come from a really respectable family. Now it was a huge embarrassment. When I would try to stop, I looked horrendous. I'd be so unwell and angry and cranky. And I couldn't communicate with anyone. I just take to the bed and I vomited up boil. It all came to an end when my family said I needed help. And I literally collapsed in front of them. I had to be under medical supervision for eight weeks. I don't remember the first six weeks of that. There were horrific headaches, shaking all day. I really did think I was going to die. I was mentally and physically destroyed from cocaine, or from codeine, I beg your pardon. And there was many a day I just wanted to run out of the place to get away from the pain. But physically, I just wasn't able. I stuck it out. Today, I don't want to put one of those tablets into my body again. It would destroy me. I always thought they were grand. They were only a drug over the counter, but they got hold of me and nearly took everything from me, even my life. I'm so grateful to be alive and clean from those evil things today. They destroy you. They rob you of every self-worth you ever had. That came into us overnight in the wake of that primetime 
programme last night. A story I think you're all too familiar with, Dr Nick Flynn. You and I have talked about codeine addiction over the years, Nick. Surprisingly common and very hard to deal with. Morning, Nick. Good morning, PJ. Uh, nice to be back on. Uh, yeah, look, codeine is a very addictive medication, PJ. Um, like we know, it's part of the the, the, the morphine, the um, the heroin type type of drugs. You know, it's in that it's in that family. So, it, like, it is incredibly physically and psychologically addictive, and really, it's good to have the opportunity to to raise awareness for people because it is available over the counter, uh, and it can be used by people to treat, you know. Whether it's sprained joints or whether it's uh, period pain, or you know, people do use it uh, as an effective painkiller. Mm. But it is very important to use it uh, carefully, not to go beyond uh, use for a couple of days. And that if if the ailment that you're taking it for is not resolving a couple of days, that you would seek medic- medical attention. Mm. You are supposed to be asked a number of questions when you get it by the pharmacist, and it must be the pharmacist actually who serves you, not just the dispensary assistant. Yeah, not the dispen- not 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 the pharmacist assistant, and like, like in fairness, PJ, I, I've also um, bought uh, salpidine over the counter from time to time over the years, and my experience wouldn't be that of the um, program last night. My experience uh, is that uh, community pharmacists are very compliant with mm. regulations. Now, I, I know that the, the, the findings of the prime time investigations are are, are the findings, and 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 they're there, but. My, my experience of community pharmacies is that they're very responsible in this in this regard. There was actually one occasion, PJ, where I, I had to leave the pharmacy without the medication because I wasn't able to convince them that that, that, that I needed it. So, 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 um, like, look, it's a timely reminder for everybody, um, you know, that 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 it should be the pharmacies and that there are guidelines for it. But my experience of community pharmacies, both in in Cork and when I've been you know, outside of court myself is that they are quite strict uh, mm. and, and that, they, that they, they do ask the questions that are needed to be asked from patients when they're buying these medications. Having, having said that, PJ, um, you know, uh, somebody who wants um, a codeine-containing drug, especially if they're in the very, very unfortunate position where they are addicted to codeine, <clears throat> like they'll, they, they'll figure out how to, how, how to uh, work around those questions and if you take that the email that you read out there, like that that poor person was addicted to, to codeine products and to codeine itself, um, and uh, and that person was able to game the system, and yeah. that and that is the problem. So so you know th- th- there are a couple of things that 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 that, that, that could be done. I, I I think that on the program last night they suggested that in line with other European countries that maybe all codeine products should become prescription only. That certainly is How, how would you feel about that as a doctor? How would you yeah. feel about that thing? You know, I, I, I wouldn't be... I, I don't think it's, it's... I don't think it's the best option. I'll tell you why. Um, general practice, as anybody knows who's trying to get an appointment at GP at the moment, uh, is, on, is under uh, capacity pressure. It's very difficult to get appointments. And to bring more workload in that could be... that doesn't need to be brought in would 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 only add to the pressures within general practice. There there, there is a plan to bring um, a unique health identifier uh, in 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 for uh, for for patients in Ireland, where everybody would have a health identifier that would allow healthcare professionals to track high level basic information. Mm-hmm. And my understanding of how that system was supposed to work was that, like you know, uh, with uh, permission, you know, a hospital doctor or a GP who is not your own GP or a pharmacist could access what your past medical history is and what your recent prescriptions 
are, and that that type of system could be used by community pharmacy to to track um, over-the-counter coding prescriptions. You would think. I think that would be a better system. Where, yeah. where, where there would be a way, where there would be a way of flagging, but we haven't said that. We're probably some some way off that. Yeah. But to bring to to bring to to, to make coding prescriptions entirely prescription only will in, will increase significantly the workload in general practice, mm. making access. Uh, Issues more, it would probably more, more also, popular. Nick, to be fair to people who use these products on an occasional basis for severe bouts Absolutely. of pain for which it's very yeah. effective. I, I speak myself as someone who's used it when my back flares up until I can get to my chiropractor. Nothing else will work for a couple of days. It's very effective and it works very quickly. Yeah. But for people like Absolutely. me, not to be able to access it over the counter, without having to go to my doctor and pay more money for a doctor's yeah. visit... You know? No, absolutely. So, uh, absolutely. So, so you would end up in that situation. You know, you'd have to, you know, uh, ring the doctor, get the appointment. You know, take some time off work, go to the appointment, or have a telephone consultation, whichever way it was going to work. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and you and you'd have the added, added expense. Um, but really, I mean, of course, there's the patient issues, there's the uh, and there's the the, the, the the GP issues. But um, you know, community pharmacies in general are, yeah. are very. Are, are very compliant with regulations in, in my experience. Well, there's a pharmacy where I'd be fairly well known and I had to occasion to get a small box of them last year and the pharmacist said to me, are you sure that's what you need? I said, absolutely. He made it very clear to me, you can be addicted to these things. Yeah. This is a man I've known for a number of years. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah and no, no, absolutely. We, we want to take that, the opportunity, PJ, if there is anybody who finds themselves in the situation yes. where they have become addicted to codeine. And, and, and the addiction is that it's physical and psycho- psychological. You know, the, 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 the physical withdrawal from, from codeine takes up to two weeks. It's a very difficult thing for people to do on their own. Um, the, you know, it's like all uh, addictive medic- medications. You do get a tolerance to it, which means that where at the start you might feel that, that, that warm, relaxing sensation from a small number of tablets. As time goes on, you'll need more, you know, uh, for the same effect, which makes the withdrawal symptoms more difficult if you're taking higher doses. It also adds for people, so people to know that codeine isn't available over the counter as codeine itself. It's always um, tacked on to another medication, for yeah. example, paracetamol or nurofen. And paracetamol and nurofen are very safe taken for short periods of time at the prescribed doses. But if you're taking nurofen, for example, for a long period of time, uh, you then you put yourself at risk of stomach ulcers, of kidney damage. If you take too much paracetamol in one day, which I've seen people with codeine addiction do, you put yourself at risk of liver damage. You know, so it's 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 quite serious. But then for anybody that is in that situation, it's not a hopeless situation. If you mm. go to your GP, there are options to um, to, to, to help you with it, there's uh, Narcotics Anonymous, you've got like psychological services, you've got local drug and alcohol services, which are very supportive of people with codeine addiction. In our own practice over the years, PJ, we have had, I'd say, four or five people who have needed to go down the methadone uh, route to um, stop using uh, codeine. Uh, you know, so, like, it is a serious addiction. It, it does have long-term Health, health well, that'll tell you, Nick, how, how serious an addiction yeah. it is. I mean, we would, I would, I, would, I must say, I was a bit shocked at that element of the program last night. I'd never heard of anyone having to go on methadone for something like this. Yeah, no, no. Over the years, we, we, we would have had, like, I mean, I've had a couple of patients that I was very surprised over the years didn't do like serious liver uh, and kidney damage because of the amount of uh, paracetamol and neurofin they were taking in order to get enough codeine to satisfy the, the craving. And of course, it's also very dangerous, PJ, if you use it in combination with other drugs, which people have to be aware of. 
like in combination with alcohol or benzodiazepines, it can increase like breathing problems and can suppress your breathing. You know, so uh, if, like again, for people to be aware before they they take an over the counter codeine tablet, they should only take it in the prescribed doses for a short period of time. And if anybody is in the unfortunate position where they uh, are addicted to codeine and they are shopping around and taking more codeine than, than, than is advised and doing it regularly and they feel that they have an addiction, they, if they reach out to their GP or to uh, an addiction service, they will get, be well supported uh, and, and there are ways and, and uh, there is help available for people to, to come off codeine. All right, all right. Always good to speak with you. Good to have you back on the programme. Dr. Nick Flynn of mycorkgp.ie. Thanks, Nick. It is a major problem. And that primetime programme last night, worth a watch back if you haven't seen it, on the player, particularly the two case histories that they did. The woman whose sister died as a result of codeine addiction and the woman who is still in recovery after a horrendous time addicted to uh, codeine. 0818 96 96 96. You can get it over the counter. You're supposed to be asked a number of questions. Yes, it's a pain in the ass getting asked these questions when you just want it for a couple of days and you know you'll be grand in a couple of days. It's a pain the backside. But the pharmacist is just doing his or her job. They have to do it. 0818969696. By the way, yeah, I'm being reminded here on my screen about Dope Sick. Go and watch Dope Sick. It's about OxyContin, another opiate. Dope Sick... Probably Michael Keaton's finest hour as an actor, but that's just my thoughts on it. It's a scary, scary, scary programme about how a painkiller literally addicted a nation and nearly addicted the world only for, I think it was a German regulator got concerned about what they were hearing from the US. And it's a while since I watched it now, but it's well worth a watch. It's on Disney Plus or you'll pick it up. You might pick it up on DVD at this stage. Uh, dope sick. Uh, and uh, apart from anything else, like I said, uh, probably, in my humble opinion, which isn't worth a toss anyway, probably Michael Keaton's finest hour as an actor. Corks 96 FM's Sun, Samba and Styles. We want to send you and a friend to see Harry Styles live in Rio. Live in Rio. You know, it's not the same as it in Brazil with flights, hotel, spending money and tickets to Harry Styles Love on Tour December 8th. Listen for the hits of Harry from 7am to 7pm weekdays for your chance to win. For your chance to win. We've been doing all this late night talking Win your way to Harry Styles live in Rio. Very excited to see you at the show. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, if you're listening yesterday morning or heard it on the podcast, you'd know that the program was pretty much dominated by Bus Connects and other such travel plans. We kind of expect that to continue over a period of time. We were talking to people from Bory Manor Road, from Ballincollig, and from the Ballyhan Stoke Tory Top Road area about the plans for their individual parts of our city and county. And one thing that's really annoying people is the number of trees that are going to get cut down to widen roads. The fact that gardens are going to be CPO'd to put bus lanes and cycle lanes and footpaths outside people's existing front 
doors. And it is a big, big, big issue among our listeners. Tony, you were listening to a discussion yesterday about bus connects and trees and footpaths and cycle lanes. And you had a point you wanted to make. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, um, the point I'd like to make is accessibility for our older people and our people who are physically challenged. Increasingly, it is very, very difficult for people to access shops, banks, doctors, pharmacies by the policies that are being followed. Yes, we all want a greener city. Yes, we all want to combat climate change. Yeah. But the priority has to be that the aged and the disadvantaged in our society have access to services. Might I ask what part of town you're in, Tony? I'm in the, the Beaumont area. Right. Um, but I walk regularly every day. So I walk into the city centre um, and I often walk out through Turner's Cross um, and I can't, I can't understand what's happening there at the moment. Um, we've lost trees in the marina, never been replaced. These are the ones blown down during Hurricane Ophelia? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We, had, we had a beautiful tree-lined boulevard there and now it is just um, a denuded street. And I just wonder what our city people are doing in terms of trees are our future. They're carbon absorbing, yet we seem to be getting rid of them. Mm. Yeah, and the prospect of loads of trees being torn down around the city. The, the, the cherry trees immortalised in song by John Spillane in Ballyfahan looked like a lot of them will go. Trees up Tory Top Road, trees in Boring Manor Road, Douglas Road. Yeah. These trees make our city. When you look at Cork City from the airport hill, that's a walk I like, and you look down on the city and you see the green and the trees, and you say it's a beautiful city. Mm. When you look over the city from Galabi Rock, trees, trees everywhere. And yet we have a city council who are actually removing our trees, changing our streetscapes, as you say, some of them historical, and yet there is no consultation with people. They put something up online, PJ, but remember, not everybody is active mm. online or constantly watching websites. And again, I think of our physically challenged and our aged. It's almost as if we have to say no, Tony. None of us object to better public transport. We'll all use it if it's there. To, to which the reply comes, well, you can't make an omelette without breaking some eggs. I, th- I think there's going to be changes. But Cork is a city of narrow streets. Um, we have bins on our footpaths. We have our streets being narrowed to the point that two delivery trucks can't pass. Mm. Um, I think we need to preserve, excuse me, we need to preserve what we have in terms of our green environment mm-hmm. and where we can improve things. Yeah. Um, it may mean more one-way systems, but I don't think there's a city in the world with the most up-to-date transport system that has been able to eliminate a car. Yet that appears to be the, yeah. the end game in all of this. Yeah, I was only talking to a friend of mine at the weekend. I, I said this on the program yesterday. He, he drives a lot 
for his work. He might have eight or nine meetings in a day. He can't walk or cycle around. It's just not practical. And he said, yep. had they suddenly decided we're, we're evil people or something, us motorists? I think what they'll do in the end, PJ, is that they will turn our city centre into a ghost town. Yeah. You were saying about the aged, and I know you're, you've, you're, your mum is still driving, but now she can't. She can't access her local post office anymore. She can't access her doctor, thanks to cycle lanes. So if she needs to go to the post office to do anything or to collect her pension, I drive her. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I just feel it's, it's robbing her of her independence in the last few years of her life. Thank God she's healthy. Yeah. Thank God she's still driving at 90 years of age. Wow, fair play to her. Yeah, but she is now finding it extremely difficult to do that because her mobility isn't great. Um, she has a fear of falling, so she'll only walk 100 or 200 yards. Mm. But she can't find anywhere near her doctor or her post office to park. So, so you drop her down. Tony, I drop her down. you raised several yeah. excellent points, and thanks for your call. Not at all. Lovely talking to you, PJ. Cheers, Tony. Aideen was the person who raised the trees discussion to a whole new level yesterday. She called me from the Badafihan area, having told me that the buses will no longer go up by Mox's pub there and that the whole lock road will be denuded of buses for some reason that no one can understand. Then all of the buses, the 214, for example, are going to go through Badafihan and lead, as she said, to a lot of change. There's been so much disruption all for the sake of two kilometres of bus and cycle lane. There's over 200 parking spaces being taken and the trees, there's over 70 cherry blossom trees. They're kind of... No, 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 Aideen, they're not. They're not going after the cherry blossoms. Oh, they are. John Spillane's well done everyone cherry trees are for the chop. Absolutely, for the chop. John Spillane. How are you? Well, Hello, PJ. Good morning. Good morning to you. The beautiful cherry trees that you immortalised in song are for the chop for bus lanes and cycle lanes. That's that's very sad and very tragic, isn't it? It's like wiping all the beauty from the face of the earth um, to make the bus go through. Isn't it very sad, PJ? Yeah. I know we must have progress and we all like better public transport, but people are saying there's got to be a nicer way to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, I love those cherry blossom trees in Ballyfehan, and I'm uh, I'm always singing my cherry blossom song everywhere I go, and I think they mean a lot more to people than what um, you know, what what people think really, and I, I think you know I would always think that um, you know, nature should have certain rights, yeah. you know, yes, like everything is not a, everything is not about um facts and figures, like you know, uh, I think the the emotional value of the trees, the cultural value of the trees. Everything should be taken into account. Yeah, the biological value of the trees, who are the, the trees, are help us with with dealing with carbon and the environment and all of that. You, I, interestingly, just as we were talking about you yesterday, we got a press release. You, you've released the album with the beautiful new version of Cherry Trees on it, the one that you did in in, in the Opera House. Um, I did, yeah. It, it, it's it's my biggest song, uh, really, PJ. Like it's twenty years ago, I brought it out in two thousand and two, The Dance of the Cherry Trees, and um, and it, it, it gets a spin. It's like my fairy tale of New York. I like to say, you know, it gets it gets played on the radio um, on the third week of April, you know, start of May, 
you know, yes. in radio stations around the world, and I get my my trickle of royalties comes into me then. So, um, but this, but in at at COVID in 2020 when the lockdown happened, it got more radio play than it ever got. Yeah. And um, I, I have a friend there, John Arnold. He's a farmer from North Cork. He writes in the in the paper and stuff. But he's um he's a radio addict, and he rings me up from his tractor, and he says, "You got 14 plays in the last uh, 10 days." He t- he tells me things like that. Yeah. Um. So um. So the song is back. So I released a new uh, version of it this year, 20 years um, anniversary PJ, and it's um, with the Cork Opera House uh, a concert orchestra, and I and I, I brought it out there in May and. Um, and the album is on the 14th of October, like yeah. next week. So, um, so happy days. Which, which, and I, I'm very, very sad to hear about the cherry blossom trees in Ballyfehan. Uh, they have been disappearing over the years. They are quite mature, but yes. they are still the glory. They are the glory of one of the great glories of Cork, like at, at a certain time of the year. Yeah. They're a sign of spring. They're a sign of spring. And it's I, every year I go for a, for a, a drive or a walk down, um, um, down Pierce Road. And from the lock all the to the end of Pierce Road, and I, especially if there's any kids are in the car, like you always bring the children out to see the um, the cherry blossoms. Yeah, so it's lovely. Yeah, well done, everyone. You'll be saying it. You'll be saying it just after you're driving down in April. Well done, everyone. John, listen, great to speak with you. Good luck with the new album. I'm going to play the new version because, and I'm not. You know me well enough now at this stage. I'm not blowing anything up anywhere. It's a thing of sweetness and beauty. Thank you so much, PJ. Lovely to talk to you. I'm very sorry to hear it. So very sorry to hear about this news. Yeah, thank you. John. Thanks very much. Thank you, John. The great John Spillane. Can we just talk? The opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818-969696. on Courts ninety six FM. Yeah, that song never ceases to stop people in their tracks. Now says D, I want a cherry tree out my back garden. Beautiful song. Uh, John says, just beautiful song. Adam, fabulous song. Great version with the orchestra. Isn't it, Adam? The orchestration is mind-blowing. Thanks for playing that, says Anna. I love John Spillane. And Jimmy says, I remember remember as a young schoolboy, I was eight years old, walking home up Pierce Road from school, from Cloche de Cree I remember being joyous walking through those cherry trees. I'm 65 now, and I join any protest to stop these wonderful things being destroyed. Thanks, thanks, Jimmy. Uh, yeah, yeah, people are saying, look, it's not the city council wants to do this. It's the National Transport Authority that have the power. But please keep talking about it. And we will, and we will. And to be fair, and I've said it more than once, and I'm going to say it again, nobody's saying we shouldn't have more public transport. No one's saying we shouldn't have better public transport. No one's saying we wouldn't use better public transport. We're just saying cutting down these beautiful trees, there's got to be a better way. Adam, you were tweeting that Bus Connects is something you can't wait for out around Ballancolleg, yeah? Morning. Uh, hi, PJ, yeah. Um, so I take the bus every day um, to college, back from college, um, and honestly, if you ask me or anyone else in who does take the bus, we all just hate it. It's very unreliable, and it often doesn't show up. It's often full. It's so unpredictable. As in, yesterday it took me an, an hour and 20 minutes to get into college from home. I'm from Balancolic myself. Oh. And that would be the same time to drive to Cashel, Kalini or Bantry. So that kind of shows of that our city's public transit system just isn't very functional. 
Yeah. Um, I was looking at the stats and I saw that only 5% of the Quark metro area's population uh, use public transport on a daily basis to commute to work, while 75% use um, private car. <clears throat> um, so I think of that we do need more public transit in Quark and we and we need more people on it and but to make that a possibility it has to be more reliable and more functional so we do need bus lanes and we just need better infrastructure to kind of make it possible you you can see though that people are very upset about things like <laughs> trees being cut down gardens being taken over to to make this happen, you have to try and strike a healthy balance, don't you? I do sympathise with them myself. I study I study biological earth and environmental sciences myself, so I do sympathise with those against trees being chopped down, especially in the Ballybrack Woods in Douglas with the twenty metre wide bridge they want to build by sectioning the woods. Like I think, bio, I think of that biodiversity should be protected as much as possible. But I think, unfortunately, some sacrifices will have to be made. I think they should try reduce the amount of trees, or if possible, plant many more times the amount of trees they are chopping down. But like, I think it's not perfect. But at the same time, public transport and working and cycling as well is a more sustainable form of transit. It does limit pollution. And it makes the city healthier, more functional. So I think a balance kind of has to be made between biodiversity and creating a more functional, sustainable city via public transit. Okay, strong points. You make them well. Uh, Adam, thank you. 0818 96 96 96 on the trees. This is vandalism, says Seamus, more than civil engineering. It takes so long for those trees to grow and get established. And that's a gorgeous new version of the song, isn't it? I listened to it yesterday, I got a copy of it sent to me and I listened to it and I thought, my God, that is beautiful. Uh, Four trees removed from the South Mall in the last few years. At the time we were told they're supposed to be replaced. Eventually they paved over the area. Can we be sure that won't happen again? Is anybody ever going to address that situation in the South Mall? Anna says, "How how much was spent on fake trees? (laughs) I know. And now they're going to cut down real trees. It's a disgrace. We're supposed to be protecting nature and our environment. 0818 96 96 96. If you've more to say on this, uh, you're welcome to do so at that number or you can text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. If you're in a hurry, uh, just drop us a voice message at that same number. Now, have a listen to this. I think the reason I'm here is because I've got an obsession with food and I can't wait to share it to the rest of the world. My heritage is very important to me because I am Nigerian. I was born in Nigeria. My dad's Nigerian. My uncle's Nigerian. My biological mother's Nigerian. But at the same time, my stepmother's Irish and she's from Cork. She's from Butterfield. So that mix of like two separate cultures coming together is very, very important to me. And I want that to come across in, in my menu. All right, we we'll get started. Yeah, yeah, right, let's first. go. Demi, you did well, girl. Morning. Thanks so much. <laughs> Morning. Four stars. Four stars. And let's just say I was not expecting that whatsoever. Because when you were trying them, the various dishes in the kitchen, they weren't kind of... You had a lot of work to do to convince some of your colleagues that these were going to go down well. 
Yeah, and um, let's just say for for Gary didn't like me at all at the start, but then towards the end I was his best pal. Yeah. The food looks fabulous. I love rice anyway and putting stuff through rice. But Nate, I want you to come to my house and make me dinner. I don't say that now, PJ. I might burn the house down. I'm, I'm good, but I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, it, it's 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 super stuff. And you're saying, they, they, are these the the dishes that you would have eaten as a as a as, as a child? Demi? I, I yeah, I I grew up on on Nigerian cuisine. Um, pounded jam, the the swallow soup. It's it's one of my favorite dishes to cook because it's the easiest to make. Um, also. The, the jollof rice I love rice like like yourself PJ I love all different types of rice but jollof rice you only kind of get on special occasions so I, it definitely brings back some, some form of nostalgia for me yeah yeah and do you like to cook anyway like day to day yourself um, I do I really do I mean in order to be a foodie you kind of have to be able to cook the food <laughs> so it kind of goes hand in hand but I do like cooking food I like cooking food for myself yeah. um, my brothers don't like when I cook for them now, <laughs> take, take that information whatever way you want but yeah. I do enjoy cooking and, and who taught you? Um, my dad my dad had this thing of wanting me to learn how to cook and, and being able to do it properly so he would make me sit down there and just watch him cook Yeah, yeah. and you, you mix some Irish stuff then into the Nigerian traditions yeah so like I would have gone, gotten a scotch egg at the African shop on Shandon Street. Um, there was a woman who used to make them and sell them there. But in order to make it a bit more Cork, I was like, oh, I need, I need to show people that I'm actually a pure Cork woman. We're going to throw in a bit of Conakilty pudding. And you can't go wrong with Conakilty pudding. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's a, a real crossover dish if ever there was one. Come here. Demi, new yes. movie, Charlie's Tehran Kid. Samuel L. Jackson. Tell me more. Um, so I've got a film coming out on Netflix, um, The School for Good and Evil. It's it's like it's based on a set of books that is you know, every fairy tale has a good person, a bad person, but why are they good enough, why are they bad? They go to school for it basically in this in this universe. Um, Shady Saran, Kerry Washington, Lawrence Fishburne, um, Michelle Yo, Jamie Slatter, Sophia Ankaru, so massive names. And I got to work with the legendary Paul Feig. And that's set to hit your TVs, not your cinemas, but your TVs on Netflix on the 19th of October. Right. So I'm absolutely buzzing, PJ. I'm say, I'd say you were. And you, you turned up as well in Holding. Yes. Um, we filmed that last summer out in West Cork. Graham Lauren, absolute genius, you know, to, to, to bring a, a story to life for him. Um, but yeah, it, it's... it's I think are we on there last week? Is it on next week or next Monday as well? I think I think the finale was there. I'd seen it last year or a few months ago anyway. So yeah. I didn't see it the second time. But I think it finished up this, this week on, on oh, Virgin yeah. Media. It went down well watch, too. Yeah, you can still watch it on the player as well. Um it's it's an absolute brilliant show and um very delighted to be a part of it. All right, and we look forward to seeing the the, the, the Netflix film coming out. Uh, there's I mean, like there I, I saw there's Shelley's Tehran, Simon L. Jackson. And there's our Demi from the, <laughs> from the radio, like. I know, I know, it's mental. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Demi, listen, we love talking to you and we love having you on the programme and good luck and continued success, kid. Thanks very much, Peter. Talk to you later. Take care. 0818969696. And of course, yes, she shot to fame on The Young Offenders, uh, which is still out there. You'll still find it and it's still hilarious, but she's 
blossomed into such a wonderful, wonderful actor in general. 0818969696. PJ, the bus connected to Ballancolic will only save one and a half minutes over current times. So it won't sort out the problem that Adam is experiencing. Keep up the good work, says Craig. 0818969696. They're still talking about the concrete tax, as I described it last week here in the programme, the garden wall tax. And while I feel very much for people who were living in houses fallen down around them up in County Donegal, and I've been to see those houses, and there's a couple of them have just been abandoned, and when I was on my holidays last year, or the year before rather, I made a point of going up the driveway of one of these houses that was long since abandoned and seeing what people are living with and it is terrible. The houses are literally dissolving in water. It is just shocking altogether. But I still don't think it's fair to tax my bit of DIY, your bit of DIY or the price of somebody's house in Ballincollig, for example. I don't think it's fair to, to make us pay for a builder that used dodgy materials and walked away. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I got a message to call out a special 16th birthday today. Don't often do these, but we'll do this one. It is Lily Sue Maloney's 16th birthday. And uh, her uncle Pat would be very grateful if we'd give it a big mention and make her feel really special. Happy 16th birthday, Lily Sue, from your uncle Pat and all the family in Glanmire. Hope you have a great day celebrating with your best friends, Cara and Ashling, and happy to do that. Happy birthday to you. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. A lot of talk and a lot of articles written in recent days and weeks about Molly Russell. You'd have heard her story. Uh, she was a little schoolgirl uh, in Britain. She died in November of 2017. Her inquest concluded that she died from the negative effects of online content. In the conclusion at North London Coroner's Court, the coroner said she was at a transition period in her young life which made certain elements of communication difficult. She was exposed to material that may have influenced her in a negative way and in addition, what had started as depression became a more serious and disruptive illness. As we said, the poor child was literally uh, cyber-bullied to death and the question comes up again of what our children are exposed to, what they can find at a simple tap of an app on their phone. Their phones now at 8, 9 and 10. They have tablets at 10, 11 and 12. They can find all of this stuff and they can be bullied mercilessly and then it makes it worse when they see other stuff like that online. The Chief Executive of Cyber Safe Kids, Alex Cooney, has been on the show with me before and joins me again. 
Morning, Alex. That's, it's a very upsetting story, Molly's story. She literally was bullied and exposed online to stuff that went and caused her death at the end of the day. Morning. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so this obviously relates to a case in 2017 um, involving, as you said, 14-year-old Molly Russell, who very sadly and tragically took her own life. And it was it, there was a coroner's uh, inquest over the last couple of weeks because her father, Ian Russell, had spoken out um, very uh, vehemently about the fact that Molly had been uh, exposed to a lot of content online which he felt contributed to her death so she had been looking at uh, suicide and self-harm content and he argued that the um the the sites that she was on so specifically instagram and pinterest had uh, exacerbated this problem by sending her uh, you know pushing more content of this nature to her so she wasn't even actively searching for it she was being um, um, recommended this content so it became a really um, I suppose strong part of her feed that she was looking at every day so she was very very involved in this negative content she was yeah. vulnerable she was suffering from a this from depression and this content really um, exacerbated it and the coroner's findings last Friday basically confirmed that uh, this these the algorithms which which were causing this content to be pushed towards her um, had some responsibility for her ultimate death. So it's yeah. a, it's a significant finding. Yeah, it's it, it simply said the inquest heard that this should not have been available for a child to see. What what response has there been from Pinterest or from uh, Insta? So they both had to, or they had representatives at the coroner's uh, inquiry, and uh, they, they did re- express regret and remorse, and Pinterest, I think, were pretty clear that they were taking act- action against this kind of uh, content. Uh, the coroner criticised uh, Instagram's re- representative. He, he, I think he felt uh, that her comments didn't go far enough. Like she did apologise, but it wasn't, in his view, uh, taking the level of responsibility that uh, that the the, the, the the platform should have done. Uh, it's you know it's a tragic outcome, mm. and it, it, these things can be complex. But I I think it is absolutely a time for online services to sit up and listen, mm. because we as an organisation have long argued that these environments at the end of the day they weren't designed with children in mind uh, they are not always safe places for children to be and any safeguards are often afterthoughts uh, to the fact so they are not designed with children's safety in mind and yet as we well know children are on there and they're on there in big numbers so this case very sadly serves to highlight the, the real issue you know safeguards are like sticking plasters if the very design of the environment is putting children at risk, which in this case, this coroner's uh, report has basically said, yes, this child was put, this vulnerable child was put at risk because of the way that that environment was designed. Mm. We've discussed a hundred times here on this programme and many other outlets how hard it is. Uh, Alex, if you see something, if you as an adult or I as an adult see something that, that I feel is totally unsuitable, for children to see and I can report that and what will come back is it doesn't breach community standards and you start to ask yourself well what the hell does 
Yeah, I mean, we had uh, a case recently involving a school that had reached out to us and it was an account, there was an anonymous account set up uh, by they suspected pupils in the school so that the pupils had used the school logo and, uh, or I should say pupil or pupils, they didn't know who was behind it. And they were using this Instagram account to to uh, make allegations of a sexual nature against uh, pupils in the school, some of whom were first-year students, so 12, 13, and some teachers. And they reported this account. They variously got either no response or this doesn't reach the threshold. And that is very frustrating because the the content involved minors. It was, of a the, as, I said, as I said, of a sexual nature. It could be extremely upsetting if you were one of the people named and they absolutely, the, the account specifically named individuals. So, yeah, we need to move beyond uh, a situation where uh, complaints of this nature are just ignored or or we're told that um, they don't meet the threshold. You know, Mm -hmm. clearly uh, accusations of this nature against a minor um, should be against that should reach the threshold. Yes. One commentator said it should send shockwaves through Silicon Valley. Will it? Um, I mean, Francis Haugen's testimony last year should have sent shockwaves through Silicon Valley. Um, You know, there was a report published shortly before her testimony uh, outlining that digital environments were inherently uh, risky and dangerous and designed to be, you know, so because they weren't taking into account that they were serving, you know, this kind of inappropriate content to children. So we've, we've seen revelations of this kind before. We've seen the likes of Facebook or now Meta hauled in front of Senate committees. Um, and the kind of the, the the change that we're expecting to see as a result has been very slow to come. Now, what we need is is stronger regulation. So in the UK last year, um, a law came into effect called the Age Appropriate Design Code. And we've seen this law re- replicated in other areas. So that California just passed it as well. And this is all about children's data and um, protecting children's data, but ensure, also ensuring that children are protected um, because of their age in these online environments. So, you know, we are seeing some positive changes. And as a, specifically as a result of that, that new code, uh, the likes of, of um, Instagram and Google and TikTok were making changes because they didn't want to fall foul of that code. They mm-hmm. were going to be fined if they did. And we are seeing, a, you know, we saw recently the DPC issued a very large um, uh, penalty to Meta for breaches on Instagram service. So we are seeing some changes, but we need to accelerate it. We need to make it very clear and we need to be demanding uh, that these these uh, these services are designed, especially you know if they're going to attract children, mm. they need to be designed with children in mind, and we need they need to be protected. Uh, you know there was an extremely strong statement made by the former children's commissioner in the UK last year, just as she was finishing up her tenure, and she basically said, you know, children will will the children of now will look back in the future uh, and and say to their 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 parents and their carers and the adults. You know, how did you let us? You know, how could this have happened? It's like a bit. She said it'll be a bit like looking back and saying, "God, how did we ever allow children to go in cars without seatbelts and and car seats?" You know, so I think we we do absolutely need fundamental shifts and and societal changes uh, in response to children being online. We just absolutely haven't caught up yeah. with it. Yeah, like we we've got two things that we know. We're told that these sites, these providers, don't allow children under the age of 13 to have accounts. We know that. We also know that there are dozens of children 
under the age of 13 and hundreds of them that have accounts. So that particular bit isn't working. There are those who fear, Alex, that the ship has sailed, that the the monster is now too big to control. Do judgments like this and findings like this help to bring that monster under control, do you think? Well, I mean, it was described as a, by by a, a leading campaigner in the UK as a tobacco moment. You know, like so. You know, we think of we think of, of landmark decisions um, it, like the one that basically uh, found that tobacco was harmful to human health. You know, and and subsequent changes then finally happened. But you know, there would have been huge lead up to that change and to that decision. And I think we're starting to see some of those questions and some of those decisions now being being made. But I would argue we, we need to accelerate it because, you know, all the while we're debating it, uh, children are online. Yes. You yes. know, they have huge access. I mean, you, you just mentioned there that that children under 13 have accounts. We just brought out, as I, I know I spoke to you on the day, like uh, when we brought out our annual report. And we found of the four and a half thousand children that we surveyed, all of whom were under the age of 13. So there were eight to 12 year olds. 87 percent of them ha- said that they had a social media account, at least one in their name. So, you know, that is uh, that is thousands of children yeah. who are under that age. That's just from one survey, you know, so. I think we can confidently say that the age restrictions uh, are not working. And not only that, when children are accessing these sites, and, you know, technically Molly was 14, she was over the age of 13, but yet the content she was exposed to and the content she was being served through those services was entirely inappropriate. And as the coroner has said, you know, has now acknowledged that it, it in some way contributed to her sad decision to take her own life. And there we go. We, We don't really know what was going on in Molly's life that sent her down the path of looking for this stuff. But we do know that once she started to find it, the algorithms found more and more and more and more for her. That's got to stop. Yeah, exactly. So she was being, but this is on the back of a report last year um, that I I mentioned earlier by the Five Rights Foundation in the UK that studied uh, the the design of of some of these bigger um, uh, social media companies. And and it concluded that the design of these environments is absolutely putting children at risk. And it did. It it worked with a a research company to to find to to look at these findings. And it set up um, profiles of children to investigate. And it absolutely. So, you know, say one of their accounts was looking at, you know, say a a child or a child account that they had set up liked a recipe that could be maybe a, a diet type recipe. You know, within a few days, they were being served up pro anorexia content because the algorithm was learning, oh, they have an interest in, in in food and they have an interest in kind of healthy food, potentially diet food. So within days, they were suddenly being ex- exposed to more and more extreme content of this nature. And that absolutely has to change. You know, it's not just humans going out looking for this stuff. It's actually they are being manipulated by the yeah. design of these environments. Yeah, like there's loads of pages ask Anna for for young girls to get tips on how not to eat and how to cover up the fact that she's not eating. That's just sick. 
pro-anorexia content yeah, yeah it's absolutely and it has been named so it's one of the areas of harmful content so we have this online safety and media regulation bill coming down the tracks in ireland so even potentially before the end of the year, we will have that law passed. And that specifically addresses harmful content. And so it names things like pro-anorexia content, suicide, self-harm content, you know, that that, that platforms, when I say platforms, I mean the likes of social media companies, the online gaming companies, that they are more responsible for the harmful content on their platforms. It needs to be a kind of zero tolerance type culture that this sort of content is not uh, tolerated on our platform. And we're going to really, really active. Now, they tell us that they actively remove, you know, TikTok produces these transparency reports periodically through the year. And they tell us, you know, huge numbers, volumes of content. They tell us about the numbers of huge numbers of underage accounts that they shut. But those numbers are meaningless. Um, unless we understand the size of the problem. And and we also know, of course, anecdotally, that, you know, complaints are are sometimes ignored or they're yeah. just not, res- you know, responded to in an adequate way. Yeah. So it is not being properly monitored. Yeah. And it still goes back to the design. Like, we don't, don't need a sticking glasses. We need fundamental changes to the design. There's also an interesting anomaly there in that some of this stuff gets through the community standards, and I'm using very large inverted commas here with my fingers, gets through the community standards, some of this stuff, and yet bad language on a video does gets blocked on a harmless video. Yeah, I know. It's it's There's not a lot of consistency there. And I think we also need to be mindful that, you know, we've got the metaverse coming down the track. And these environments, when they're kind of more widely accessible and more sort of sophisticated in their in their design and development, these are going to feel very, very real. You know, it's going to feel like you are in that room. And so if abuse or harassment is leveled at you as a user in that environment, it's going to feel very real. So I think we need to, we have a lot of work to do to try and ensure that the appropriate regulation and and mechanisms are in place before that becomes a more accessible reality for children, because they are going to want to be in those environments. You know, they're going to be wanting to be gaming in those environments. They're going to want to meet their friends in those environments. So, and we know that there are already problems and risks you know, we've seen that from some of the early iterations. So we really, really need to start properly regulating this space. Lastly, Alex, briefly, do, do you worry that the next Molly Russell is already sitting somewhere in this country or somewhere in this city watching this stuff? Oh, I worry all the time. And I say that as a parent of, of, of children who, who, you know, in secondary school and primary school, you know, I worry as a professional who sees uh, sees these things happening and globally. So absolutely, I worry. And and this is why, you know, we've got to make we've got to actually stop talking about all of these problems and put in place proper, proper mechanism, uh, mechanisms and regulation. Now, I'm, I'm hopeful that the online safety and media regulation bill can make a difference. I'm hopeful that we're going to have a strong online safety commissioner with a, a robust mandate and proper resources who can uh, with their support their office really hold these online services to account and you know one of the things that we'll be doing as CyberSafe Kids is monitoring that and engaging hopefully with the office to ensure that that is the case. Alright and hopefully we can talk again down the road in that regard that's Alex Cooney from CyberSafe Kids if you need help or you know someone who needs help the Samaritans are there 24-7 
It's free, it's confidential. 116123. You can contact Pieta, Pieta at 1-800-247. Just text HELP to 5144. Bodywise are at 01210-7906 or alex at bodywise.ie or if you want to go back to the Samaritans by email, it's joe, J-O, at samaritans.ie. For parents listening, if you haven't watched it yet, I recommend you get onto Netflix and search a film called Social Dilemma. The Social Dilemma. It's a documentary about social media and how it uses you, not you, use it. Frighten the life out of any parent. Wait till the kids are out, because they'll just sit there and roll their eyes. But watch it uh, and see what how social media works and manipulates everybody. Can we just talk? The opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96 on Quartz 96 FM. Now, it's lovely to talk again. It's been a while since I've chatted with uh, Colette Wolf. Colette, morning to you. Good you, morning, PJ. You were listening to that yes. there, and you're familiar with the Molly Russell case. I be, might be wrong, but it, I don't think there was as much social media going on when Leanne died, but it, at the same time, it brings back awful memories for you. It does. She was still on uh, Bebo at the time, and she had a coming through there. Yeah, Bebo, so good. Yeah, she was on... I'll tell you how long ago it was. And texting at the time was major the problem. That yes, yes. But yeah. I tell you, Alex was wonderful there, and you know what she's doing. Really, to be quite honest. Yeah. And you know, Peter, listening to it, as you know, I was telling Emer, I speak in secondary schools. Yeah. I know I I'd be asked to speak. I don't charge. I do a voluntary. And to be quite honest, in Cork. If you see the levels of self-harm, addictions, anorexic, suicide, anxiety in our young people today, yeah. it's really, we need to take up and, you know, and start listening to, you know, it's it's out there, it's telling us. And when I heard all what Alex was saying about social media, I deal with young people and I had one young girl and she kept on telling me she couldn't focus. She couldn't concentrate. She couldn't because you see, when they're that young, you know, we we stop ourselves. But at that age, they'll keep scroll, scrolling and scrolling and scroll. And like the likes of TikTok is so fast. Yes. Their brains are trying to keep up with us. Well, I mean, if you look at it, Colette, um, I tend to go into TikTok maybe once every couple of days for a look because you could spend hours and hours and hours. now. We're, you know, we're adults and, and it can draw us mm-hmm. in. Kids looking for stuff and having, like, the, the way that it throws stuff up to you that you've been looking for. Yes. And do you know what you're saying there now? I, it's not that I'm against them. I have TikTok. I have Instagram. I have yeah. Facebook. Yeah. You know, but for, we're adults. These are our future. And our future are in trouble. Yeah. You know, how many Molly uh, 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 do, do we have to lose before we wake up? I loved what uh, Alex said even about, you know, the cigarettes, the way the campaigning started. Because this is the influence cigarettes had in me at the time when I grew up. They started off on billboards and I used to see, and, and it was okay. Nothing about the harm was there. Or, and then it went on to movies and, you know, it was the done thing because everybody on movies were doing it. Yeah. 
And then I became a, a, a person that smoked up to 60 cigarettes a day. Yes. Do you yes. know, because I thought, you know, everybody else is doing it. But it started at a very young age, at the age of 12. I know. So it's what we're influenced with. And when I speak in these schools and, you know, at the end of the talk, of each talk, I always tell them that, you know, I give them a page and I just tell them, no names, and just write down your concerns, what you're worrying about. Is there bullying? Is there suicide thoughts? Are you feeling anxiety? Are you, is there any issue in your life? Mm. And I can tell you, I can't name the schools, as you know, but I tell you, the last school that I spoken. I tell you the truth, I even had to take a, a, a breather because I thought, and they told me that they had to stop reading the notes out and they had to bring in somebody. Now, do you know, in that very sad, CJ, that our future are struggling. Mm. You know, they're struggling with life because they're looking at things that they're not, their minds are not ready for. I know at the end of the day, TikTok, Facebook, all these are money makers. Yeah. You know, they don't take into consideration, you know, the devastation that this life, Molly's life is going to cost. The parents, the cousins, the aunts, the brothers, you know, it goes right out there. That effect is just... Hits right out there. And you know, for for you going into schools like this and talking like this and seeing the messages and the the notes that come back, it must bring back your own pain, does it? Do you know what I do know? And it's it's turning out positive. I was telling Nima, I went back to college last year for someone that never even knew how to read and write. Good for you, girl. Well done. And I've been doing social studies this year. But you know what I discovered last year through one of the. I think I did a, a, what is a PowerPoint. So I have a whole PowerPoint now I made up for my exam last year and I do it in the schools now. I show them the effects of bullying, of not talking, lack of communication at times. Yes. And, you know, isolating themselves. I find even when they're on a lot of the social media, they can become very isolated. Do you know, because they're so caught up in this, it's like their friend. And this friend is not good for them. This friend is filling their heads, you know, when you see, you know, this kind of a, you know, suicide or it's okay to do this or it's okay to do that or how to do it. You know, it's normal to them after a while. Look, Leanne was told in Texas after Texas after Texas that she was fat and ugly. She believed this at the end. She felt her, her 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 last few uh, things that she put in her diary was I'm nothing and I'm nobody. She was everything to us, but it's what they it's the time that they're in and who they're around and what they're uh, watching and what they're seeing. And it's not only down to social media. We as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles need to step up to the plate. We need to learn to say no. This is not a suitable. I don't care how much tantrums. Like, I remember Leanne at 14, she'd say to me, my friends are going to Dublin. And I'd say, yeah. And she'd say, can I go? And I'd say, no. And at that age, they could wear you down to your knees. <laughs> and she'd say, but why not? But why not? But I'll be honest, PJ, at the end of it, I used to say, go, oh, for the love of God, go, and I don't care if somebody wants to wave you. Do you know what I mean? Because they have that, you know, youth in them, and they have that, yes. you know, drive in them. But like, we have to stand our ground. Yes. Well, as parents, you know, even when they say, all our friends are watching, all our friends are not watching them. Yes. Do you know what I mean? There is uh, children out there, a lot of children being supervised out there. 
You know, we have to see what they're fixing their eyes on. We have to see what's going into their heart. Is it positive or negative for them? Because this is the time in their life where they need positivity to build them up because everything is going on around them and they're fitting in and they don't feel sometimes they're fitting in. And all of a sudden, this sight will come up about suicide, about self-harm, about how to be anorexic to get down to a race, and they think, that's my answer. Yes. Yes. And I'll go down that route. And, you know, they are liable. And I'm so happy that there's people like Alex out there that's fighting. I'm only an ordinary mother that goes into the schools to show them, you know, you know, what happens with lack of communication. Yeah. You know, and I find that the distance is getting wider and wider with communications with the young people. Yes. Because even with each other, because they have a friend and that friend is social media. Yeah. You know what, sometimes I think and I don't know if I'm overstressing it here, Colette sometimes I think that this friend that is social media when you're 14 that's as bad a friend as drugs or alcohol when you're 14 Would you agree with me? A hundred percent. No, we have to be realistic. We're living in a future where these things weren't even in my time, you know what I mean? But, and all these things, for, but you know something, when they become harmful, they're, they're worse than drugs. Yeah. They're worse than things. Because I, this young girl now that I was dealing with, she was so cut up her life, with, she couldn't concentrate in college. Yeah. yeah. She was only 19. Couldn't concentrate, couldn't focus because she's scrolling through the night. And I said to her, what are you scrolling for? What's in there? It's not your life. You're looking at somebody else's. Do you know? And no, thank God that has changed for her. She's in, back in college. She's doing well. And, and the encouragement. And, you know, I groaned her with the phone. I tell her where, you know, she wasn't listening to her parents. <laughs> and I said, you're only allowed to start at time. And it's turned off at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Because yeah. I said, how do you think you're going to go on and complete college and, you know, and have a life yeah. if they're going to be stuck in that. I think a lot of the children, look, I was cycling there last week, PJ, and it was funny enough now, because, my God, I'm only learning, I only learned a couple of years cycling, and my God, it nearly kills me, but I still try. And it don't be, just in case anybody's listening, you know, 10 miles is what I do. But, uh, but coming back, I was looking, there was a group of uh, young people, you know, I'd say they must have been only about 12, could have been even younger, and they were on bikes and they were coming towards me. Three of them on the bikes were on their phone. Now, what's there there? Looking at it. I'm on the bike. And I thought, my God, they don't even see the danger even of that. You know what I mean? I but of, of who they could have hit. I know what I, I have to be truthful now. I was thinking of the selfish part. I was thinking, well, oh, don't even hit me. You're entitled to think that too. Yeah. You know, I mean, their bones will be faster than mine. Do you know but, what? It's great to hear you in good form. <laughs> it's it great to hear you in good form. And I know I, I said it to you the last time I spoke to you, which is a few years ago now, and I'll say it to you again. I think Leanne, wherever she is, is very, very proud of her, Mammy. Thank you, PJ. Thank you. You're always very kind. Very, and very you know, And you play a very big part of positive impact. And that's lovely that you can go home tonight, PJ, and, and the team that's with you and say, I played a positive impact in mm. this. I have put out there that, you know, I'm standing my ground. This is not acceptable behaviour. 
That's very kind. Yeah. Very kind of you. No, but it's true. Very kind of you. Colette, thank you so much. And good no, luck right. with the continued college. I know, you, I remember you telling me a few years ago you couldn't even read or write. No. And now you're back in college. Well, I'm know. back in college. Well and, uh, and you know something? There could be a surprise now next year that you could be actually graduating from last year in October. Yeah. So I'm all excited. But... Um, you know something? If you can, pass on Alex's number. I would love to have a chat with her. Love to put you in contact. We'll see yeah, what we can do about that. Fergal oh, and Eva will look at that. Well done. Keep it going because okay. this is what I need to talk about. Lovely to talk to you. God bless. Lovely. And God bless. mind yourself and mind the family. Mind everybody. That's She's a wonderful woman. Wonderful, wonderful woman. Colette, Colette Wolf. Uh, 0818 96 96 96. We will help. Yeah, CyberSafe Kids is where you can contact Alex. If you want to start to talk to anybody in CyberSafe Kids, their number is 015 But I think we might just put them in contact off the air if we can. 0818 96 96 96. We haven't forgotten about Sun, Samba and Styles. You're listening for a One Direction song. Yeah, yeah, you might even forget it was in, yeah. You're listening for a One Direction song, and I promise you, you'll hear it very, very soon. Very soon. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Ahead of her return to Dublin's three arena, Sigrid, the Norwegian powerhouse, has announced a cosy tour with three very intimate dates around Ireland, one of which is taking place in Walsh's and Mitchellstown as part of the Autumn Air Festival. It takes place on November 20th with very limited tickets available. Access all areas. At Collins during next month's Jazz Festival, legendary Irish singer Mary Coughlin is set to play two shows, taking place on Sunday, October 30th at 2.30pm and later on at 6. Tickets are on sale now. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Courts 96 FM. The stuff still coming in on trees and bus connects and consultations or the lack thereof and all of that. I'll come back to that and some stuff about people whose gardens are being taken off of them. I will come back to those two. Uh, amazing interview with Colette, though, says this message. Thank you. I'm a mom of teenage girls and I'm so emotional now. It should be played later when the kids are listening. As we all struggled through teenage years with our kids, social media is frightening. We'll be able to grab it off our podcasts later in the day. Uh, just put the pod, open up the podcasts on your app and play it when your children are there and ask them to listen to it. And if they start rolling their eyes, they start rolling their eyes. But just ask them to listen to it. Thank you for that message. 0818 96 96 96. A lot of articles in the newspapers in the last few days about prepay electricity and gas customers because we know we've get, we're going to get this 200 euro credit on our electricity bills uh, out of the budget and there's one to happen in November one to happen after Christmas and one to happen in the early spring the next three bills will be uh, credited with 200 euro for most customers what about the customers though who are on prepay meters. Now, prepaypower.ie which is the website, they say on their website that the 200 euros credit will be dropped directly onto your account, which that sort of hopefully will happen. But others are saying well, there's got to be a better way to stop these people getting disconnected at inappropriate times when they run out of money. McBarry 
was talking about it in the doll yesterday and saying that people on a very fixed and very tight income, they can't afford to top up and they lose power and they'll stay without power until the next time they've got some money. That's an awful way to live and coming into the winter. It's a horrible way to, to, to have to live and to think that you don't get your money until Thursday. Power goes out on Tuesday. What are you going to do? And it's a real possibility for a lot of people. Now, I'm sure I don't know anything about having one of these things in my house. Um, I don't know if you do. I imagine there are listeners who who do know how these things work. Uh, I don't, unfortunately. Adrian, you are one of these people who's got prepaid power in the house. For for the people listening who, who don't know how it works, maybe you go through that first. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, PJ? Yeah, sure. So so essentially, right, you, you, you have a ready-to-go meter in your house. When it gets to around two euros, it makes a noise that I think is all too familiar and almost embarrassing for a lot of people. And that indicates that you need to top up, right? Right. So if you don't have the opportunity to top up, let's say it's half 11 at night. Yeah. That little alarm goes off. You press the button, okay? And it will then give you 10 euros emergency. The powers that be have just recently increased that to 20 euros emergency. Now, what that means is you've got 20 euros debt, okay? Okay. So you've got a cushion of 20 euros. So then if you can't afford, and this is what's bugging me, if you can't afford to pay that 20 euros, right? In addition, you'll have to pay, let's say, another 10 euros to be above the red line, if you get me. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say you, you have, if you haven't got 30 euros, then when that 20 euros emergency runs out, you are, you are actually cut off. Right. And you have to put in 30 to get started again, do you? You'd have to put in 20 to get started again. No, I've never been in a situation where I have been cut off, thankfully. Yeah. But we just always had it since for years, you know, and we've never changed the system. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I, I'd seriously have to look into it now because it seems that you're almost being penalised now for having one of these ready-to-go meters. We assume that when these credits come... Uh, from the government as part of the budget, that all that will happen is the credit will drop on your meter. But I don't think anybody really knows how that's going to work. You would think that the simplest way to do it would be just literally drop it automatically onto their meters. You would assume that, yeah, yeah. But but the last thing the last thing I heard w- was that the average person, and and let's face it, right? There's over two hundred thousand people that are um, using this pay-as-you-go system, all right? No, most people that are on the ready-to-go system are on it because they struggle financially. Yeah, are we... we, Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay. They need to budget on an almost daily basis to make ends meet, right? Yeah. I find it truly bizarre that this government assumes that it's okay for, let's say, a very well-off person or even a millionaire in this country to be perfectly entitled to avail of the 600 euro and yet people who are struggling through fuel poverty you know the ordinary working class person yeah they're they're not going to avail of that 600 quid support it, it just beggars belief pj well i've said it before you know i mean i i'm i'm well paid 
thankfully, I will get that credit. Will it be useful? Of course it will. But it would be just, it would be more useful for the family down the road that's struggling a bit. And and I'm inclined to wish you there. Exactly. You know, but in in terms of the the whole pay-as-you-go system, there's a term that's been used, self-disconnection. Yeah, isn't that that a great kind of phrase from the powers that be, isn't it? What does it mean? (laughs) What it essentially means, my understanding, the implication is that if you are not in the position to pay the 20 euros emergency electricity pay as you go on Mm. the meter, then you become disconnected and it's essentially your own fault. I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. Self-disconnection. It's like the implication is you've done it to yourself. And this 20 quid, can you do that more than once or does it just allow you to do it once? It allows you to do it once. And then until you get out, because a fellow could run into real trouble there, like... Yeah, so let's say the alarm went off, right? Mm. You went in, and I've heard, I've like, I've I've elderly neighbours all around me, and there's just people I know, really lovely people, and and I know they're struggling, you know, and and um, I I can hear the alarms going off in neighbours' houses even now and again, and and crazy hours of the night, in even in the morning, and let's say that person, elderly person, forgets to go to the shop, you know, is then cut off, you know. I don't think it's as simple as just getting a twenty euro card once they're completely cut off. I think the system is dead, and they have to they have to ring and get reconnected again. You know what I mean? Mm. The other question is: I, I assume, as a user, you've noticed it going down faster in the last while. Big time, yeah. In the last two to three days, I mean, partially why I'm I'm keeping on to the meter is is out of fascination to watch it and see what's going on. But but yeah, I mean. I'd say we're spending we've it would be fifteen quid more in the last few, two days at least you know the wow. last two days that's fifteen quid yeah do you think that six hundred quid is going to go far not in the depth of winter no not in winter exactly yeah. you know not for the average pensioner who's you know got got a little heater or you know who's who's really struggling and will barely go outside the door and of course they're going to be using more electricity so it's completely unfair. And unequal rationale, you know? Yeah. Adrian, good to talk to you. And thanks for explaining it all to to those of us who who don't know what it's like to live with this. Thanks a million. No problem, PJ. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Adrian. I did have another look at the prepay website. There's safety periods, like you won't get caught off between 4pm and 8am. And there's some weekend times you won't get caught off. And some holiday times, like Christmas, you won't get caught off. But then you're you're running up credit so that when they top the machine up again or top the thing up again, it just sucks up what you've been using. So you can land yourself in a problem where you're going on and off all the time just because you're stuck for a few quid. Vogue Williams has defended her controversial reality TV show about plastic surgery as the concept has been branded horrific before it's even aired. This is something that's going to be on TV. It's called Body SOS. Again, it takes people who... I'm not happy with my nose. I want to yeah. get it done. We're going yeah. to follow your story. Would you get anything done? I don't think so. No? But I guess... Really? Well... <laughs> <laughs> that's not- 
I swear to God, that look nearly murdered you. Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24 7. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 just for the fun of it just because we can still afford a pint just about so just for the crack and because Joe Seward who I'll talk to in a second gets an opportunity to research this up and down the country just to see let's pick two alright two that you'll get pretty much anywhere around Cork so a pint of Heineken and a pint of Murphy's right Murphy's stroke Guinness Uh, I'd be a Guinness drinker myself um, but Guinness Stroke Murphy's or a pint of Heineken what price what's the lowest price you can get around Cork we have a post up on the 96FM Facebook page about this as well I need your help to find the cheapest pint around Cork City and County that's coming in a little while but first of all just to clear up some stuff on the trees and the buses and bus connects etc 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 I had 21 feet taken off my garden for the ski hard road for the widening of it for bus lanes and cycling lanes and car lanes they didn't need to make the footpath as wide as Patrick Street and most cyclists use the footpath and not the cycle lane a small roundabout worked very well I had some beautiful old trees I even had a fox with five fox cubs reared in my garden before these new arrangements 21 feet taken off the garden. That's a lot of garden gone. Shiona says Cork STC at busconnect.ie is an email that you can send your objections to. Thank you, Shiona. Councillor John Maher was on as well to say, look, it's about public transport, cycling, pedestrians and car users. This is the first phase in the public consultation Many concerns have been raised, including the loss of parking, the cutting of trees, unrealistic cycling options. But this is the first phase and things will change, according to Councillor John Maher, which I respect that, John. But people are coming back to me and to the team here saying that at meetings, they've been told, look, it's only a matter of pushing it through. It's all a done deal. So people are confused, as you can understand. The land associated with Mock's Corner... Remember, Mox Corner came up in the discussion. It's being sold, according to this message, and I think the corner may be no more. You're not telling me, you're not telling me Mox is for the chop. Please tell me that one of the finest pubs in Ireland isn't for the chop. Hopefully not. Mox Corner, though, they say the land is being sold. And Tony says the residents are all against it up here in my area. They wouldn't want to underestimate us, or in any area for that matter. We've had a a message oh listen Caroline Street I don't know if this is gone but it was there this morning there's a 20 foot container plonked in the middle of Caroline Street how is that allowed I park my truck there and I'd literally only be a couple of minutes 
and I'd get in trouble. There's a lot of streets partly blocked off at the moment with skips and fences and stuff like that. It just, it seems to be the time of year where they do it. Right, let's get back to the points. Um, how cheap is the cheapest point in Cork? Let's try to find them. Let's look at, okay, Murphy's, Beamish or Guinness. Pint of Stout and a pint of Heineken. And see where we go with that. Joe, you get an opportunity to travel around. I think you follow a lot of horse racing, so so you tend to travel around with that and other sports too. Um, you found, you think, the cheapest pint in Ireland. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, during the summer, um, it went viral. It was about Helen's Bar in Kilmacalogue and um, not far from Kenmare when I, I think somebody tweeted uh, about their 390 pint and I can confirm that price is still uh, static there at 390 for a pint of Guinness. But I found a pub in Waterford called Mason's and, and they charge 350 for a pint of Guinness. So that that's probably the cheapest I would have come across. Although, you know, the defence forces then, you know, I think there's about 45 barracks located around the country and they charge 330 for a pint of Guinness. So yeah. technically that kind of supersedes the Masons in, in Waterford. Yeah, yeah. I've had, I had, long ago, I had the opportunity to have a few pints once in a while in the NCO's mess in Collins' barracks, and I can confirm that's a very cheap pint. There's some deal done for the army. I don't know what it is, but, but, it, but it is what it is. But sticking to the pubs, you reckon, have we anyone below the four euro for the pint of stout in Cork, Joe? Do you think? I, I haven't come across one, and I know Beamish, you know, tends to be cheaper than than Guinness, but I haven't come across one. Um, there are a number of pubs, all right. Do the Pensioners Pint, um, the Poor Relation in Parna Place. I know they do a Pensioners Pint. Mm. Um, I'm not sure what what that's retailing at, but that's as cheap as I've, I've come across. Yeah, the, the cheapest hotel pint of stout I've come across is, is in a place called the Drum Hall in Kerry where it's all, in Killarney where it's only 4 90 and every time I go in there I go what huh, huh? 4 but, but definitely there's nothing below 4 euros that you can find in Cork and I don't think you'd kind of count the pensioners pint really because it's a kind of a special case Joe Yeah um, I was in Galway yesterday now and just when we were I knew this was, topic was coming up I, I was actually having breakfast in a pub there and they just asked what were the averages in Galway it was it was four seventy in that particular pub and they said that was kind of the norm around the air square 470, which is pretty reasonable considering you know they get an influx of tourists I suppose you you contrast that starkly with uh, Temple Bar um, <laughs> the Temple Bar pub Reverse Temple it bar. 470 becomes 740 <laughs> Yeah 7, 760 for Guinness and then you know the with the late licences there they go up 30 cents Afterwards, so you're you're looking at seven ninety, and then for lager, that would be eight sixty for Heineken in pubs like the Norseman and the Temple Bar, and Reachin eight ninety. So, technically, we're not too far away from the the, the ten euro pint in Dublin, and I think around Bagot Street when the Rugby Internationals are on, some of the pubs are, have been known to put up the pint by a euro just for. Rugby International weekends. Yeah, the poor relation are confer- have confirmed here. Uh, for the pensioners pint four fifty for the Guinness, four twenty for the Beamish, four ninety for Lager. Annie Max is coming in. Fosters or Caroline four euro. Beamish four euro. Caroline, um, the old reliable pub, Shandon Street. Yeah, they had a fairly cheap Jane Helen's on the Helen's car, Helen's bar I've never been there I must try and find it next time I'm down in Kerry in Kilmacloge 
you'd have to go to the back ends of Kerry. <laughs> Not very charitable. Yeah, traditionally in 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 olden days, pubs up around where Annie Max up around um, Bandon Road and Barrack Street used to be the cheapest. Bradley's Pub, when it was owned by Dennis Bradley, was for many, many years the cheapest pint in Cork. It, it, it was known for that, but that, that was back maybe in the in the 80s. Um, more latterly, you know, Annie Max and pubs like that have been known, as well as Blarney Street have been another traditional area for cheaper pints uh, and Shannon Street. So um, they would have been kind of the significant ones in Cork. But M- Mark says that no, I don't know whether we should even mention this because they tell us, the World Health Organization, Joe, tell us that three pints is binge drinking, uh, which means half a cork has been drinking on a Saturday night, but that's beside the point. Um, Mark says in the Sportsman's, they do a thing called the Snack Box, four pints for 10 euro. Yeah, I know that Jack Doyle's and Cove used to do something similar. It was three, three, three pints for a 10 or six for 20. But of course, as you say, the World Health Organization would see that as encouraging uh, potentially binge drinking. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember the Ferrari when when the pint went over a pound. Uh, I'm old enough to remember that. It was the 1982 budget. Yeah. Um, I think the pint was around 98p on average up to then. And obviously that was pre-Euro. And a lot of the pubs brought in the, the half-litre glass then to ensure that the the pint wouldn't go over really? a pound, but it it didn't it didn't really take off. That people yeah. weren't happy drinking a, a half liter instead of a. They noticed the difference. They'd notice it didn't weigh the same. It didn't look the same. Deirdre, Deirdre's in South Spain. Hello, Deirdre. Buenos dias. She says even here you pay four euro for a decent pint of Guinness. Well, you'd kind of expect that because they hardly make it out there. But they make Guinness, Beamish, and Murphy's here in Ireland, so you'd expect it to be reasonably priced. Yeah, and it was the, the the big for for stout drinkers. Then most stout drinkers are always searching for the perfect pint, and it can be difficult to get. People often wonder why you know a pint differs in quality and from from pub to pub. It can have to do with maybe the length of the line or hmm. how they clean their lines. But um, there are so I, I've had some woeful pints of Guinness in pubs down the years. But there, I, I can I can confirm in Cork there's a number of very good hostelry serving. Very good pints of Guinness, um, the Cork Arms and the Corton Street. Oh, well, you could walk across that. You could walk <laughs> across the top of that. <laughs> Fantastic pint, beautiful. <laughs> Mother's milk, as they say in Cork. And, and and I'm not a Murphy's drinker, but the Murphy's reasonably uh, e- equally good. And um, We were out the other night, a few lads here from work, and one of our boys is a Beamish drinker. He said the Beamish was extremely good around town. In the Ballynow Inn in Rushbrook, 390 for a pint of Beamish. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, that seems to be the first we've come across under the four euro mark in, in Cork. But, um, you know, generally speaking, Cork is pretty reasonable. People, again, I suppose, have been talking about maybe one of the features of post-lockdown has been how many of the, the local pubs have kind of gone around the country. A lot of local pubs yeah. have closed and we've got the bigger chains, you know, kind of, you know, dominant and some people say that these bigger pubs are very clinical lack the personalised touch Yeah, local pub will always be the the best, but did you see the thing before I let you go Joe, did you see the thing recently where the, the drinks industry looked at the price of coolers and the price of fridges and the price of electricity in the current energy crisis and said if they were passing everything on to the customer to be over 25 euro for a pint of stout Oh my god <laughs> 
because I know that when Diageo increased the, the price, I think back in February by six cents, on average, then that might have been a twenty twenty five cents increase for for you know the, the consumer. So that's just the uh, on the lower end of the scale. But yeah, uh, it would appear that we are headed towards the ten euro point in Temple Bar anyway. But a long way from that in Cork. Yes, yes, as they used to say, my body is a temple, Temple Bar. Joe, thank you, Joe Seward. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. We'll keep that little search going. On Facebook or indeed at 083 396 96 96. We've got someone below 390, Rushbrooks in Ballyno, Rushbrook Links. Uh, the Ballyno Inn uh, has 390 for a Beamish. I don't think we'll do better than that around the city or county. Is there anywhere ser- serving a pint of, we say a pint of stout for below 4 euro and a pint of lager for below 450? You generally won't get the lager for below 450. Anyone match or beat any of those? And Deirdre listening in the south of Spain. We're not jealous at all, girl. We're not jealous at all. 0818 96 96 96. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. The Big Drive Home, weekdays from 4. On Cork's 96 FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. This week on the show, you could be getting one step closer to seeing Harry Styles in Rio. Son, Samba and Styles continues. There'll be more celebrity catch-ups. I enjoy Irish gigs more than Scottish gigs. It's like playing at home, but there's less pressure. And I need your help picking the playlist on the takeover. Hey, Lorraine. Just wondering if you could play any song by the script. I'd love to hear the new song from 1975. Definitely Harry Styles. Billy Eilish. That's the one to put on. For all of that and more, join me weekdays from four. The Big Drive Home. With Kevin O'Leary, Silver Springs. The new home for Suzuki and Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Cork's 96FM. About Cork's cheapest pint, and let us know either on text to WhatsApp or indeed on our Facebook page. We've got a post up about it. What about dating without drink? Dating events without drink. A company called Something Different Events is trying to bring a new way to date to the city. Lots of single women in Cork, but the single men, we're told, are slower to come forward. Uh, Roe Collins is the person behind the company Something Different Events Roe you say there's a shortage of things for single people to do in Cork we don't have proper singles clubs and that's where you're coming from here good morning Good morning. Hi. Yeah basically yeah so I started this event to basically bring people together Um, I noticed myself in Cork there's not much to do for people that don't drink or just activities that for single people alone um, yeah. So I wanted to bring uh, people together, basically start events that will bring single people together and people that are coming into the city that don't know anybody, that just to have like events set up for them. So I'm starting a games night on Thursday, so that's my first event. Right. And basically we're just going to have a few games like, um, so there's going to be Jenga, Ring Toss, Slippy Cup, there's a few more stuff there. And it's just kind of like a nice environment, a safe environment for people to come that are single that want to meet new people. Do you think that the pandemic, the lockdown, did it make people more shy? Did they go into their shell a bit? Yeah, I think a lot of lockdown brought a lot of anxiety and it just kind of made, kind of left people at home a bit more and, you know, a bit broke and stuff as well, you know. And they were saying, like, I was talking to a lot of people and a lot of the events have only started coming back now. After COVID, there's a lot of things shut down. So there's not a lot of things happening around the city. Mm. Um, 
And also, I think to be honest with you, I don't go that much. So I wouldn't actually hear a lot of the stuff that's going on. So I want to make sure that my advertisements go to people that don't be going out that much. Do you know, that want to come out maybe a cheaper night out, you know, than instead of maybe some usual nights for people I don't know. But just to bring them out, have a safe environment and make it kind of friendly and cheap, you know. Is it specifically for people who are non-drinkers? Um, no, because I'm having games night and there's a few drinking games. So basically it's to tailor for everyone. So like there'll be some events that are like for drinking, but you don't have to drink. So like the games night, you can play a few dr- games, but you don't have to drink. Yeah. Do you know? Because yeah. I'm basically catering for people like myself. Like I don't drink that often, maybe once a year. So like if I, I always think if someone asked me to go out, would I like to go out doing this? And I actually would. Like, some people love going out for drinking, and that's no problem. Some yeah. people love going out for eating. I love that, too. But I want to bring something different to Cork. Like, there's a lot of countries that are doing this. They're making a massive success about it. And I just think, to be honest with you, I, I'm actually surprised when I looked into it, there is nothing like this in Ireland. Mm. Like, and I wanted to start in Cork, because I'm from Cork, because I know Dublin, there'll be a lot of clientele for this, but I want to bring something to Cork. Because I have a lot of ideas to bring to Cork for yeah. people. You know? One thing that we hear a lot about for single people is speed dating. Now, I can't imagine, I've never done it, but I can't imagine it's comfortable. I thought exactly the same. A few people have asked me to do speed dating, right? To, to do an event for, right? But I kind of wanted to do stuff, do events that basically didn't bring so much pressure. So, like, you're doing stuff that you like to do anyway, but you're doing it in a safe environment for people that you might make friends with or, you know, yourself. Um, maybe a bit more but I didn't want to do something that is going to be a lot of pressure on people like I know myself like speed dating it's a pressure to talk to everybody but some people are shy and as I said lockdown has brought a lot of anxiety for people they're a bit more shyer so I will do a speed dating event of course a few people ask for it but to be honest with you my whole whole ethos is to make sure that everyone feels comfortable and there's no pressure Mm. like in speed dating you have to talk to people like with my games night now there's different games, right? So people will come in, we can put them into teams. If there's some older kind of people that don't want to play some of the games, that is fine. Like, basically, you're going in there, making new friends mm. while playing some games that you like. Yeah. So there's no pressure. So speed dating I'll do, but it's a lot more pressure. Like, that's proper, full on. And to be honest with you, I don't know if a lot of people... Like, speed dating has been, has been done in Cork a few times. Yeah. Like, there was only a company recently did it in the bodega. You know, so it has been done before, but these games, nights, you know, like pub crawl kind of nights. Now, the pub crawl is more, it's not like you go around drinking. You basically have to do um, like a quiz. So you have like chances you do in the pub and then you have to go like, you get a riddle and you have to find out the next pub or the next location. So it's a lot more than just going to pubs and drinking. There's there's more to it. It's a bit of fun. Yeah. So your exactly. event this Thursday, where can people find out more? Do we need to book tickets? What's the story? So the first event, I'm kind of leaving open door to see how many people are interested and to kind of just give people full range to. It's over 21. Um, everything you can get me at Something Different Events. It's on Facebook and Instagram. That's exactly the same name as the two of them are exactly the same name. But no, no booking. Just come at the door. Come early because the first 30 women, first 30 men. Um, it's only 60 able to come to the event and I just want to see what the interest is okay. you know I will be doing events for just students I will be doing, doing events for just for over 30s or over 25 
I will be doing age bracket events. I just, for now, I want to see who's actually going to be interested. Okay. Do you know? Something different events is where people will find it. Ro, thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Ro. Something different. No, I'm a bit distracted here. There's a breaking story just been handed to me by the newsroom. Uh, you'll have heard it this morning that Boy B was heading to court, as you know, the, the Anna Creagel murder case, that horrific case from 2018. Uh, Anna Creagel lured to her death and murdered by Boy A and Boy B in 2018. Boy B has just in the last 20 minutes withdrawn his appeal against his conviction for the murder of Anna Creagel. It was headed for court this morning. Boy A, we understand, is not appealing. Boy B was set to appeal with a new legal team this morning and he has just in the past 20 minutes withdrawn his appeal against that conviction. More, I suspect, in your news bulletins later in the day. 0818 96 96 96. On prepay power, I'll come back to the prices of the pint because they are varied around town to say the least but we talked earlier this morning with Adrian who has a prepay power meter in his house and he was explaining how it works and how you top it up and how you can get caught and all this and the whole self-disconnection thing on prepay electricity I worked at a call centre for a UK based energy supplier prepay was sold to customers as a way to avoid going into debt but the company and everybody selling it knew it was actually more expensive in the short and long run. Everything from the unit rate to the hassle of topping it up. Prepay is a nightmare for everyone except the company making money. I always tell people stay on bill pay if they can. We're going to see a lot of old people suffer and die because of this government. They're a disgrace. Assuming that's a comment related to prepay power. I used to be like that with prepay power, PJ. My two adult daughters, one of their fiancés, lives with me. Uh, five adults, four TVs, the usual. I have put €70 Euro in on a Friday to cover me till the following Thursday. That's no heating, just the electric. We live on a pension and I do some cleaning to get a bit of extra money. I get paid every month. But three weeks out of each month, we're broke, so no heating. And someone else says, with a smart meter, you have to keep topping up even during the summer months. Thank you for those. 0818 96 96 96. One of the things, actually, that you use a lot, and that uses a lot of electricity, is your dishwasher. Because it heats water, it heats up, so therefore you know it creates uh, energy and heat and all that. Here's a story uh, that kind of... Quirked our interest. A couple of years ago, a serviceman told me, you need to clean your plates off properly before you put them into the dishwasher. Clean heavy stuff off. And now at night before we do the dishwasher, I'd scoop them into the food bin, anything that's left on them. But I'm reading here in RSVP Live that you should never pre-rinse your plates or glasses or cups or cutlery. Now the serviceman said to me at the time, I must say, I'd called him out because our dishwasher had gotten jammed with something. I said, you know what? He said, the, the dishwasher's not supposed to eat the, the last of your dinner. Give that to the dog. Clean off your plates and dump the stuff. But according to this, yes, we do all try to get rid of the residual tea or 
curry sauce or ketchup, but we're doing it wrong. You scrape up the remnants of the food, but that's it. You should put the manky, saucy dishes, you know, the ones dripping in sauce and gravy, and put them straight in. It saves you money, or so this says. It would appear your dishwasher knows, I, I'm, I don't believe I'm reading this, it knows how dirty your plates and cups and bowls and saucers are. So it doesn't work that hard to clean them. What? So don't rinse them under the tap. You make the dishwasher work harder, but you use less electricity. And in fact, you could make things dirtier. This is on RSVP Live, but came originally from The Guardian. It also says to be careful what detergent you're using. Finish, which is a very popular brand of dishwasher soap or dishwasher detergent, says to save water, remember there is no need to rinse your plates. Simply scrape the food off and off you go. Pre-rinsing dishes before putting them in the dishwasher wastes a thousand litres of water a year. Right. Do you... This... this. Do you scrape off the plates or rinse them before you put them into the dishwasher? The dishwasher is not supposed to eat the rest of your dinner. You'd obviously scoop the last of your steak or the bones of your meat or whatever you've got into, the, you know, or the last bits of... Bro- yeah. But do you rinse off the plates before you fill the dishwasher? And do you have the, the nightly row in your house? Well, not nightly row. No, the, I told you, the cups go there. That happens in our house. I will open the dishwasher. I won't do it when she's around because she'd hit me with something. But oh, I open the dishwasher when I go in. And I found myself moving the cups into one particular rack and moving the glasses into another particular rack. Was that me last week? Then I said that I'm a control freak. Maybe I am. Faro Airport in Portugal, 7.20 for a pint of Guinness. Well, you have buying a pint of anything in an, in an airport, you're asking for trouble. Like, you really are asking for trouble. There's a beer called Dorada, a Canarian beer called Dorada. It's about 80 cents and 90 cents for a can of it in the supermarket. And it's about six quid for a can of it in any of the airports. I can now. Best pint of Guinness is in Copine, 4.50, says Liam. The Cow Bar in Mayfield, Bamish, 3.80 for a pint for the pensioners. That's from Jimmy. I think this beats all, though. Um, Brian says, during the lockdown, I bought my own tap, my own cooler, so I can have Coors Light and Murphy's. It works out at 2.88 for a Murphy's and 2.98 for a Coors. Now that I could live with. It's hard to beat it, says Brian, I'm sure it is. And Tom reminds us, look, let us never forget, there are many kids who could do with the four euro you're spending even on the cheap point. And of course there are, Tom. Of course there are, and thanks for that. But a bit of fun at the same time doesn't go amiss. 0818 96 96 96. Speaking of pubs and things to do with them, we were told a little while back now that there was going to be a review of the licensing laws and that we would allow certain premises to open until 6am. 
Now, that doesn't mean they have to open until 6 a.m. It doesn't mean that, you know, the the pub on the corner is going to be open until 6 o'clock in the morning. That's not going to happen. That doesn't, that's not what that means. It means that they'll be allowed to open until 6 a.m. should they wish to do so. It hasn't moved since the relevant minister suggested it. Uh, Jamie Behan is from Give Us Tonight. Jamie, a lot of people when that happened said, oh great, they're going to open all the pubs till 6 o'clock in the morning and people will be drinking themselves into a stupor and we'll find them passed out in the street. That's not the thing at all. It's if you want to stay open, you can, isn't it? Good morning. Hi, good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I just want to clarify first, I'm actually not from Give Us the Night. I'm just, I've been very closely associated with the people um, okay. behind us, uh, Sonia Sharp, for the last uh, 20 years since, well, since from the beginning. And, um, but I'm, as a DJ, I'm okay. uh, very, this is a very, a topic that is very, very close to sure, my sure. heart. And, 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 and I, I worked that scene myself for, for many, many years, so I know exactly yeah. where you're coming from. The idea would be that if you want to stay open until three, four, or five, you can. Yes, um, it's, and I think, um, I think um, there is a lot of people when they're saying, "Oh, sure, that everybody's going to be out getting drunk until all hours." That's uh, that's part. There is always going to be a fear of change, but um, it's times. Times have changed, and people people have different. People have have different. Like that, people will go out maybe at three o'clock in the morning, and they'll stay till six. Whereas other people will go out at their usual usual time, and they'll go home at two o'clock. And it's just giving people the choice based on based on you know people people work later they don't get up at there's no nine to fives anymore mm. um, it's not all nine to fives and um, it's also um, it's yeah we've we've been we've 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 been listening to for the last well. The, the, this we discussion the first uh, talk of change was um, many years ago I think I believe um, 15 16 years ago but the last two years since the minister ha- um, uh, first uh, first said that this was in the in you know this was in the works however um, there is we are close we are closer and the details, you know, change changes in legislation take time. Mm. So, and the detail, the details are important, um, but um, basically, they need to hurry up because we're facing in uh, facing into a very uncertain winter um, across all ex- aspects of society. But for operators, be that uh, venue venue owners, um, uh, promote promoters, DJs, it's it's very uncertain. So I would I would be I would I would be hopeful that government gets a move on. Uh, you know the the old saying where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. So, um, but I'm up. I am up. I'm optimistic. Like the public, the public consultation has been done across five thousand uh, across five thousand people, yeah. and there was a, a, an overwhelming response. I was about to ask um, you that, Jimmy. It, like, yeah. what was the response? Were people were they well disposed to it? I mean, it is. I think an Irish and UK thing. Like, if you go to Spain on holidays, yes, there are places that close at midnight. There are places that close at one. There are places that close at two. There are places don't close till four. That, that's the norm, and that's what you're trying to bring in here, correct? Yes, correct. Yes, that's very correct. And um, the from the public consultation, the the 
the the response was this is how things should be we should be in line with europe we should be things should be done basically it's 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 just common it's it's common sense, and it's also this is this brings in the uh, question of tourism. Um, there was a I, I can't remember his name now because I don't follow UFC myself, but um, it was um, there was a, a, a famous uh, UFC fighter came to came to Cork um, on holidays, and he he tweeted. Uh, it was just somebody told me the other day that he tweeted that Cork um, Cork nightlife was and I won't say the words on uh, daytime daytime radio but you can fill in the blanks yourself and uh, people were saying oh but you can go for cocktails there and you can go for cocktails here but just until half 12 to or you can go on to a late bar until two o'clock in the morning and that was from somebody visiting that he's tweeting that this this kind of reaction isn't going to boost tourism in Ireland it's going to have the opposite yeah and how many people have how many people have have come to Ireland and found they have nothing to do after the after these hours? How many people come in late off a flight, get to their hotel, yeah. and then they have nothing to do? Yeah. And this has a rebound effect beyond beyond yeah beyond 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 our industry. It has uh, it has rebound effects across oh. across across everything um, and I don't think we, uh, like uh, when we're facing into uncertain times like this I think we we can't just rely on you know the the, the typical things that um, the tourist boards rely on mm. you know it's um, the cliffs of Moher and etc etc <laughs> One thing the the people promoting this talk about as well is it might stop a problem of there wouldn't be a sight nor sound of a taxi from half two onwards on a Saturday or Sunday night you or Friday night, you wouldn't get a taxi for love or money. Whereas if the closing times were all staggered, you would. Oh yes, well this is this is this is something that we've uh, everybody in the industry has been saying for for many years, um, and not just not it's not uh, it's not just not just tax it's not just taxis. This comes into the into the health uh, health the area of health and safety as well. Uh, you have you have too many too many people out on the streets at the same an over concentration of people out on the streets at the at the at the same time waiting waiting for cabs and it that's going to that causes trouble across um, across you know it could, you know it's um you've too many people again you know it, yeah waiting for taxis yeah. and they're pushing no i was here first and you know fights might start that way yeah you're not going to you're not going to stop people drinking and going out but it it makes it makes it makes no logistical sense what kind of you know what kind of business would if if you're running if you're running uh, city nightlife as a business this makes no sense to have every push everybody out at the same time whereas if you allow people that oh maybe they just arrived in half an hour ago if you allow them if they want to you know, kind of stay on for a half an hour, an hour, if, uh, or if you want the business wants to um, stay open for an hour, then you have less people on the, less there people on the streets yeah. no, queuing. There's, there's a lot of arguments to it, apart from the fact that it's the civilised way that many countries do this now. Jamie Bean, thank you very much. You, you don't have to close every pub at half twelve or half one. Yeah, a lot of pubs will close at half twelve or half one, but on a Friday or Saturday night, and this nonsense that they have to apply for an extension every night they're open, that's just stupid. 
if a pub wants to open on a Friday night until 4am and has the business to do it, where's the problem? Where's the problem? That's what people like Jamie are asking. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. Reminder, Premier League live back this weekend at 96fm.ie with Trevor Welsh. Saturday from 2, uh, powered by TalkSport. Live coverage this Saturday of Manchester City v Southampton. That's at 3, Brighton against Spurs at half past 5. Live with Trevor and the team. The Premier League live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You're listening Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or pop over to the website 96fm.ie. Now, staying with this um, licensing hours discussion and broadening it out a little bit. Dara Veal is involved with the Electronic Music Council and they have a vested interest in the extension of the um, licensing hours and diversification of entertainment. Dara, morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You say that we've lost a lot over the years in Cork and we need to change, have more spaces, better hours and new operators. And new operators, but more diverse spaces as well, PJ. You know, like, this whole problem doesn't have to just talk about nightclubs. It could be, like, other multicultural spaces used, say, during the daytime as galleries and then turned into nightclubs at night is another thing that could happen. Wow, that's actually not a bad idea. Um, Talk talk to me a bit about the Electronic Music Council. It's, It's kind of a new one on me. It is. So we first came together about a year ago. Um, when the nightclubs were forced to close yet again. Yeah. And Natalie McCormick brought us all together as a group of DJs, promoters, uh, different people involved in the electronic music scene in Cork. Um, and we kind of, we didn't know what we wanted to do at the start, but we just knew that we had to do something. Um, and a year later, we've we've gone through courses with Rethink Ireland to set ourselves up as a social enterprise. We've <clears throat> done collaborations for Culture Night. We've done quite a lot in the last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, so this 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 licensing change will be huge for us if it, if it was to come through. Why would it be so big? Just it would create more opportunities. Like when we first came together, we it was because of the lack of opportunities for not only to perform and play and host events, but also to learn how to how to get better at promoting events and all these kind of stuff. Mm. Like the Bray Institute of Further Education and the Elevator Program um, are probably the only two things that exist where people can learn to do it. So, um, but yeah, basically it would give us the opportunity to get to do it as well. Because you point out there aren't the spaces, now I personally hate the word, but it's the common parlance. There aren't the places that there were before. Henry's is gone. The Savoy yeah. is gone. Many of those places that I remember when I was DJing, they're gone. So where do you start out, and electronic music makers other than DJs, where do you start? Where do you, you want to, you have an idea for a great event, where do you put it? There's only two venues in Cork, really, that are accessible to young DJs and promoters in Cork at the minute. And that would be Crack Jenny's and Spot Bean Fawnock. And in fairness to those two venues, they have been very good to a lot of the people in the Electronic Music Council. Mm. But there's a very limited capacity and there's also, these are these are small venues. We can't put on the same level of production that you might mm. be able to do in the bigger nightclubs, you know? Well, if you take the Savoy, it was a huge place. 
massive. Now, now Savoy and Sir Henry's they're they're a bit before my time, but I haven't experienced anything near like that um, yeah. in Cork at all. You know. Yeah, yeah. And the licensing law, because of the fact that you know everything somehow seems to have to come to a close at two a.m. When an event might just be getting off the ground, or you might want to have go from one place to another, like let, yeah, go to the ballad session in your local bar, but then pop across to the other place where the electronic music is starting at one a.m. and stay there till you want to go home. It would be a bit just liberalise it a small bit, I guess. One hundred percent, and it would kind of people might actually be a bit more sober leaving the nightclub as well if they've danced it off instead of coming out. <laughs> at half two and they're literally falling around the place you know <laughs> you're not you're not wrong there you're not you wrong know? yeah yeah it's, it, I, it, it does and the point one point that you make particularly resonates with me is I remember a cork that had loads of places to go late at night loads of different places to go and and that mm. cork is gone and, and, and sad to see it go and I, I, I really do feel for people trying to start out on their music and DJing career because you're right the diversity of places to go it's gone it's not there it's it's not what it used to be at least Dara Veal thanks Dara from the Electronic Music Council your thoughts welcome it'll be tomorrow now on this extension of the licensing laws into maybe 4, 5, 6am on dishwashers PJ I wouldn't have a dishwasher in my way it's a lazy way I think I have the dishes washed in no time. Dishwasher takes ages. I wouldn't be without one, but I take your point. That's right. It senses it senses how dirty the dishes are, PJ, uh, from how clear the water is. Dirtier water, dirtier dishes. It uses that then to determine the intensity of the cycle. Well, there's something. You don't... I didn't lick that off the stones, Connor. You know what you're talking about. And there's something new. I learned today. Your dishwasher knows how manky the wear is. There's. A, had you any idea of that when you turned the radio on at nine o'clock this morning? Because I sure didn't. Thanks, Connor. That's it for today. Program edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow, just after nine. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. Jim Grow Gains Coffee Morning in aid of Breast Cancer Ireland takes place at the Dean Hotel on Monday, the 17th of October, between 10:30 a.m. and midday. Speakers on the day will include the founders of Jim Grow Gain, as well as Breast Cancer Ireland representative Juliet O'Connell. 100% of proceeds from the sale of tickets will go directly towards. Breast Cancer Ireland. For more information on the event, check out jimgrogain.com. If you have an event you would like mentions, email the details to Cork Diary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering, now seeking foster carers from a diverse range of backgrounds in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96fm. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.